HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? Learn more about Wisconsin's cheese-making history at wisconsincheese.com. Hello, and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. On a very special episode today, we head down to the city of brotherly love and tape live from the House of Vans, Philadelphia. We are joined by our friends from the band's Hop Along, the owners of Tiny's Bottle Shop, and Little Baby Ice Cream. We talk about the food and music scene, Philadelphia fans, and the stories that are told due to the wide range and available housing for all of its artists and makers. Then we head back into our archives with one of our favorite performances from the band Heaven's Gate. So sit back, relax, and here's another episode of Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio. We talk Network. about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes.
I'm Tyler. I play bass in Hopalong. Uh, Joe Reinhardt. I am the guitar player in Hopalong. I'm Emily Kovac. I'm one of the owners of the Lunar Inn and Tiny's Bottle Shop in Port Richmond. Oh. My name is Pete. Oh, it's got a switch. Pete, and I'm one of the owners of Little Baby's Ice Cream. Amazing. We are coming to you live from House of Vans, their first Philly pop-up. Um, we're all from Philadelphia. Are we all from Philadelphia-ish? Yeah, Ish? Okay. Yeah. When this trader here lives in Birmingham, Alabama now. I, uh, did, I did move last year, but I lived here for a good 10 years. That's fair. And ten I grew years up about an hour outside ten. Philly, so it's fine. That's fine. You're um, from Philadelphia. I'm from Philadelphia. For when you got started, both from culinary and the music, set the stage. We'll say, we'll go back 10 years when you started playing music and started going out. What was the culinary music scene in, say, um, early 2000, you know, 10, 2008? We were too poor at that time to go out to eat, I think. <laughs> Cook, uh, cooking weed into things was, was the fashion, as I recall. And for you, like, what do you remember from like, just the, the dining scene or the musicians? Uh, I don't know music? that any of that has changed, actually, since <laughs> yeah. 2007. No, it just we went to Mao's a lot because our friend worked there, and, and she would give us free falafel. What is Mao's? Mao's is a falafel place. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, Mouse interesting. Street. Okay. It's still there? Yeah. Oh, there it is. I mean, not, not, I don't know. It might still be on. I don't know if it's still the one on South Street, but that's where she worked. Yeah, that was fun. Lorenzo's uh, Pizza was a big... That was a treat for us. That was huge. Yeah. That was, I think, for everyone. Yeah, we, uh, for us, it was, like, about pushing change together and then, like, oh, I can get a slice of pizza after the show at the TLA. And, um, not a lot of fine dining experiences back then. I don't think I don't even know if it's fine dining. We went to Lanark Diner every single Friday and Saturday night with Sean, with your partner at Lunar Inn. We went to Lanark and would do like two ninety-five, two eggs, cup of coffee, toast, hash browns. It's familiar. Yeah, I know. Made famous by Silver Lining's Playbook. Um, when you started performing uh, as Hopalong, I knew it was started as a solo project. What was the current music scene then, and and how would you describe the Philadelphia? Sound. Well, I'm kind of a traitor. I, when I started playing, I was actually living in Baltimore. Uh, and I would play at this uh, punk venue called Charm City Art Space. The first venue I played in Philly was a house in Roxborough. That's also correct. So, uh, and that was 2005. Um, I'm trying to remember. We played at the, uh, the first show that Mark and I played together. Yeah. Uh, 2008, we had just been jamming for like a couple months. We played at the Kyber right before they stopped doing shows. And of course, later on, I heard about all the artists that had played there previous to us, Cat Power, Pavement, Bright Eyes, bunch of people. Um, That's a good way of talking it up, considering that like we basically just played to mom that night. (laughs) You're like, uh, other acts played here. I mean, we're playing to a packed room tonight, so, yeah. You know. um, and far from your side, you were also, Pete, you were a musician before you got into ice cream. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my exclusive life experience is in music, really. And I came to ice cream uh, really because I just decided that I didn't want to live in a van anymore. Um, and ice cream just seemed like kind of a novel creative platform to make something new and exciting. And 
kind of everybody I knew was in a band and I didn't know anybody that had an ice cream company so I decided to be that dope um, and here we are fast forward a little while and Emily, for the like early stages of Tiny's, you know, where did the uh, idea come from, and what was it about the Philly, the Philly scene that allowed you to find space for it? Well, we're so new. I do feel like in that mid aughts era, I was also in a band and went on tour and would go to these places in other cities that I have this feeling of like, I wish there was something like this at home, like. There was plenty of good restaurants, I think, at the time. Again, I wasn't frequenting like fancy restaurants, and there was plenty of places to get cheap street food. But like that middle zone, I feel like didn't exist as much, um, or at least, I don't know, not in West Philly, <laughs> at least. Um, so I feel like the seed of like wanting to create a bar and a and our like our wine shop is is small, but a place that has kind of like a rock and roll feel, but isn't exclusive, isn't expensive, is comfortable. Like, I feel like I'd go to places like that and like long for that at home. Um, so I think that kind of informed some of our choices around designing the space and the menu and just kind of the community that we're trying to create there. Um, mostly we didn't want to do a fancy, I wanted to just, make a place I want to go. I didn't want to do a place that felt too stuck up or too exclusive or really too prohibitively expensive, which for me isn't even really that much money. So, um, and then the Tiny's, the wine shop, kind of came from the, uh, some laws changing in PA that now let um, some kinds of liquor licenses sell wine to go. So we can sell awesome wine that you're never going to find at like uh, PLCB, wine store, wine and spirit store. And those are also kind of influenced from some places I've gone traveling, even in like in Baltimore, in Brooklyn, where you're like a nice cute wine shop where people are nice and you don't feel like you're getting punished for wanting to buy alcohol. We should have that. We, get, we should get to have that. So that's, I guess, kind of some of our thought behind those choices. Let's talk about the Philly community. Uh, you know, you talk about restaurant dining scenes in New York and Los Angeles and Chicago, but how would I don't even know if I would ever call Philly like a scene. I would actually call it much more of a community for both the food world and the music world. How would you describe it, and, and what, what do people maybe get wrong about Philadelphia? For me, it, Philadelphia's scene, um, as far as my upbringing was concerned, you know, they had, we had Lebec Finn back in the day, and... But Steven Starr sort of started coming around and placing restaurants all over the city that all had different themes. And when I was younger in my early 20s, Steven Starr sort of represented what I thought Philadelphia fine dining was because he was so visible um, with all of his design work and the, and the thematics. But now there's so much variation. Um, you, can, you can pretty much get... Um, any decent cuisine in Philadelphia. Like, we've got our sushi spots. Like, umai Umai by me in, in Fairmount is amazing. Um, there's good Mexican in Philadelphia. It's, the scene now is really diverse. I, th I don't think... If you get to talking about fine dining in Philadelphia, I don't think you'll find s a single person who hasn't been to or want to go to Soraya. Um, which is... Have you guys been to... 
it, it's changing and it's evolving and it's exciting to, to be a part of it now. And how would you feel about the music community, the music scene? Like, I mean, a lot of the venues that we grew up going to have closed since then. So would you say that um, there's enough spaces for band, bands have to venture out, or there's its own community within the Philadelphia walls? I think uh, Philly, it's, it's nice that it's a city that still has room for story. Um, a lot of cities, I think, are it's so challenging to just like get by um, that there isn't any room for... I mean, one, one place that immediately popped up when you were talking about uh, restaurants... Uh, to me, and when you said Mexican, I was thinking of South Philly Barbacoa immediately, who were just featured on a chef's table, and her story is incredible, and her perseverance. Uh, I I think it's it's very encouraging to see that that is still that still has value in this city, even with all of the. I mean, like there's buildings popping up everywhere, and who knows? There's a. There, a, a boutique hotel just popped up next to the L, which blows my freaking mind. Where? Uh, it's like right by L Bar. I'm not trying to. Bl- you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's not crazy. trying to name. We don't name names on this major, show. Major, major <laughs> transformations are happening, but I, I hope that uh, I hope that story remains vital here. I, I really love that it is, and, and and music as well. I mean, as venues, as as house venues drop away new ones begin i mean i am I'm, I'm at an age now where i'm i just don't even know any of the diy venues popping up it, i really feel my age it's like oh you know i feel like a cop or something no one's gonna tell me where the show is you know uh pete i, I think you mentioned that this city was built for three million people and has 1.5 million in it which i, I believe francis makes room for the story because you just space is cheap so how did you find, in both Emily as well, um, how that was able to grow your businesses um, and the risks you were able to, to take as opposed to other cities? Yeah, I was going to pick up on something that you just said. I think uh, while this is, I feel, changing quite a bit now, maybe in the last year or two, I think something that has historically been true about Philadelphia is that because of the amount of actual like physical space and vacancy and because of the you know, relatively lower cost of living and stuff like that compared to other major cities. There's a bit more, uh, there's a lower barrier to entry to, to do something cool, whether that be starting a band or a venue or an ice cream company or a restaurant or whatever. And there's like, I don't want to say more room for error, but like, you know, the, the stakes aren't quite as high. We're not uh, in Washington, D.C. or something paying uh, $500 a square foot um, and like I said, that's definitely changing in Philadelphia. Like right now you look around and there's four cranes in every direction that I think it's not the same now that it was in 2011 or something. Uh, but I do think that that was the case in Philadelphia for a very, very, very long time. And I think it has uh, really ingrained itself in the culture and it's just cre- created in some ways a little bit more opportunity for people to try something. Yeah, I feel like my business is on this weird precipice where we represent some of that change. Like, we are in a very pre-gentrified neighborhood, which I love. It's charming and old world and 
it is changing like month to month. We've only been open since March and I feel like I have even seen the change since we opened and I wonder if we're part of that too. Like we definitely represent a younger generation. There's plenty of like old man bars, divey bars, you know, there's, they're around. We're doing something a little bit different and I, I do feel like, yeah, our rent is really cheap and our space, you know, we were able to build it out in a sort of scrappy DIY way, but it's, it's beautiful and like, I, and part of me wants that change to keep going. I feel very invested in our little corner of the city and part of me also mourns that everything I mean, I moved here in 2004, and I both love and feel very conflicted about all the change and all the buildings knocked down and all the places closed and everything being all slick and gorgeous all the time. Um, but yeah, I do feel like if you're willing to go outside of sort of established neighborhoods for art or, I mean, that's where artists and musicians always go is like where you can get a cheap warehouse, where you can get a cheap studio, you know, in an a not cool neighborhood, like that's kind of the route that we took. And in some ways it's awesome and in some ways it's a struggle. For crafting songs, it sounds very clear on businesses that, you know, cheap space and anything, but for crafting songs and defining your sound, has Philly, and if so, has Philly played an influence uh, on the sound that you make and your ability to put out the records that you want? I think a lot of it has had to do with the people that we've met, like no, meeting Joe and meeting Tyler. A lot of that was proximity, you know, and um, Joe was in his band, Tyler was in his band, and you just sort of play around each other enough where you become friends and, and acquaintances and musicians together. and. Um, you, low rent has everything to do with it too. I mean, you're you're in a career that you don't go into initially um, f for money. You just don't. You you go. I want to play music. This is all I want. I don't care what I have to do. And you find the areas to live. And uh, that that is again the problem of, uh, with gentrification is you move into neighborhoods where um, you can afford as the artists, as the young artists. And then you sort of get older, pick up and move on. And, and enough artists do that in an area where then here comes the young tech startup people. And then the rent goes up. And then here comes you know, the finance people and rent goes up uh, more and more. And luckily that's, that's a slow, slow process in Philly. There's still neighborhoods that I don't understand why um, they're, they're cheap and undesirable. Like right by me. Um, outside of uh, that, like, what are some things that will never ch that you feel will never change in Philly? Like, what are things that are just always going to be? There's an old man bar that's always going to be on the corner. Like, what things will be just tried and true for the city that will just, no matter how much money pours in, how much gentrification? I hope house shows never stop. I hope house shows happen forever. Yeah, I hope it continues to be a city that like. I've never known a band to move here to try to make it. Like, I can think of one band that moved here and like 10 years ago. It was Glockamora. Came here from Tampa, I think, because it was a cool Miami. town. Miami. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Sorry, guys. Um, 
they moved here because it was a cool town, not because like oh we can make it in Philly, but like because there was cool bands here. And I, I still think people, the bands here never are bands that try to make it. All the bands that have made it or or gotten bigger have been bands for in some form or another for 10, 15 years. I mean, what, War on Drugs started in what, like 2005 or something? Like, And they were doing it just because that's what Adam did. He made music. And, and same with like Kurt Vile. And that's, you just make music and it's it's not a sit, uh, not going to name names of cities, but like, it's not a city where you like just, all you're trying to do is make, like monetize everything you do. So I think that, I hope that never changes. Too. Well, no, there, there has to be, I think there has to be a system in play already that promotes individualism to such an extent that that dream can really um, become so exaggerated that it it's enticing to... There's, there's cities where the rent is so insane and it's... that all the You have to work your ass off just to live there. And unless... And I think for those cities it can work because the dream is still so potent. Um, like I could really, you know... I. I was entertaining the idea at one point. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to, what are those people that, uh, you know, soundtrack movies? And my one friend was like, yeah, that's a music supervisor. You got to have an office in LA. And I was like, thank, like, to my dream. Like, thanks a lot, buddy. But, uh, so I'll just stay here and do my thing, I guess. But there's just, there's still cities where it's like, well, you got to live there. If you're, I mean, I went to school for visual art and there aren't too many, you know, I think it's still pretty expected to move to either New York or LA or, I don't know where else I, I fell off the ball with, <laughs> with it, but it's not, you know, if you just want to make your work, if that's all that really matters to you, you can live at all sorts of places. If that's all you really care about, this is just one of them. And it happens to be a great place with a lot of people doing that. And I do hope it stays that way. Let's talk about Philly fans. I grew up going to Flyers games. Philly fans can either like love you or hate you almost like overnight. Does that extend to music fans and to your uh, business fans that like they can be vicious but also loving at the same time? I heard I heard the Pixies got booed once because they wouldn't do an encore. I heard people were really really mad because like they Philly. wouldn't and they were like super tired. It just like wasn't and, and, and like just furious. I, I think it is you know it's a they're not gonna can I swear. Yes. They're not going to bullshit you here. If Whoa. like, right? It's not uh, We were in okay, I'm going to We were in LA and we wanted to get breakfast and we went on Yelp to find a breakfast place and we went to one that had like 400 reviews, four stars. It was the worst. It sucked. And and I think Mark was saying, well, "Yeah, it's like sunny out here all the time and really nice." You're not going to see that in Philly. If a place stinks, it's going to get a low review. It's just very honest. It's, uh... it's funny. I was going to say, like, when you asked what in Philly will never change, and I was going to kind of say, like, people have uh, an intense spirit that I think is... I, I think one thing that will never change is that Philly people will never bullshit you. And, like, so I guess... For us, I don't feel like I feel like we've gotten a lot of love and support, both from like our friends and community, and this community we're kind of cultivating around us. I do think that trends and 
like social media influencers and things like that's happening now here in a big way and those tides might change and we're really invested in trying to bring people natural wine real real wine and really good food and I don't know maybe in five years people won't care about those things anymore but I want to keep doing them either way so I don't feel like we've gotten a lot of like brunt of the sort of trademarked Philly haters but I don't know. It's probably different for artists who are putting their heart on. I think they will still care about those things. I hope so. It's just like I do feel like as Philly gets cooler in a more like in a more like nationally recognized way, there's just more people here who who if they're Instagramming about you, that can be weirdly huge for you, but they can also just as well ignore you. And maybe that's like one kind of little offshoot of that it's not like sports fans but like foodie people i guess seem fickle too so i mean as philly gets cooler there are going to be ambassadors for philly which i think that you represent when you're on the road and you represent through your wine shop and you through your videos how does it feel to represent philly and what do you think values you need to project to people who have never been here when they try to pigeonhole someone in a few a few sentences or a few quips Representing Philadelphia. I mean, to be fair, I I did not grow up in this city. I grew I grew up partially in New Jersey and then partially outside the city. So I feel like kind of a phony. I mean, I've been living here for like 11 years. That's that's the ten and more is like it's your home. But I live I live on a street with a woman that grew up on that street. Oh, that's not fair. And that you know <laughs> I would love to. She I think she should. Just borrow some of her stories. No. Like I remember in 1970. Uh, no, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I hope I can. No, there's so, there's too much here to represent it. I mean, the, it's too it's too deep, and uh, you have to come here. We, we're not going to show you what's amazing about Philadelphia. I mean, like we're. We're, we live there and we love it, but you should come to Philadelphia. It's yeah, really what are what cool are people place. when people are like should I come there? Like, what are they missing? Like, I could tell them that they they miss art museums and the food and just kind of like everyone's super laid back and they're already over it. Like, what do you think people are missing by skipping over Philly when bands used to not come here or people would used to not come here to eat? You know, what are people just not getting? Well, it has it has all the things that all the other cities have. You're just going to get it at a better price, <laughs> and maybe a little bit. a theme here. With, well, maybe uh, don't with a little come. bit of yeah, attitude. Don't come. Yeah. Don't yeah. come. You're going to ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really expensive here. Everything. Hate it. Yeah. Go away. I do think there is a general lack of pretension, um, which I think comes from a little bit of like the maybe the blue collar roots, maybe just living in New York shadow for so long. But I just feel like generally people just want to have like a good time, <laughs> stay up late, drink a lot. Like I feel like there's such cool like like every at least like bars and restaurants I feel like really have their own personality. There's so little just like generic like what and same with music venues. Like you can go to these like incredible immersive spaces that aren't like engineered down to the last molecule by some designer. They're just made by cool people who have vision and work really hard and aren't trying to aren't trying to make it too like too fancy. I mean I think everyone loves to be fancy, but I the thing I love about Philly is that there's like 
it's not a snobby town, and I am reminded of that when I go to other towns sometimes. That how snobby other towns are? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like a it's like a culture of underdogs in Philadelphia, um, and and again that that's sort of what makes it great. But it, it's also I lived in New York for about nine years. I, I was here for a very long time, moved there, and then came back and you almost always feel this obligation to this city because uh, uh, to paraphrase I all right for instance I have we lived in New Jersey for quite a while about 12 years and when I moved back to New York I found this Mets jacket from 1986 when they won the championship which was like big for me my sister was born who then um, I have this amazing relationship with and I get to work with her and the Mets were like a big theme growing up because our, our father was so into baseball. So wearing it in New York was no big deal because I could put it on and be like, ah, no one knows I'm from Philadelphia. It's fine. Everyone's like, oh, the Mets. I don't think I've worn that jacket like once since I've been back here in Philadelphia. I feel, I honestly, I put it on and I look in the mirror and I'm just like, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> Do you think and, people would just call you out on the street immediately? That old woman on your block would be like... Gotta take that jacket off. Well, I mean, you really get called out for wearing a Mets jacket anywhere except New York, because everywhere else they're like, "Ah, oh, Mets suck," and you're like, "Yeah, all right, sorry." But yeah, in Philadelphia, they were—it's uh, you know—I'm a little. Uh, it's not fear. Maybe it is a little bit, and that's again why I love Philadelphia. <laughs> um, a lot of your ice cream flavors are inspired by the city. Uh, where do you pull inspiration from and how do you know that you've nailed it in a flavor and what is a good example of a pairing of the city and a flavor? Sure, yeah, so I think uh, so much of the kind of the brand and concept and spirit behind Little Baby's Ice Cream is really all about uh, pumping up the world around us and th that's really been the strategy since day one about how to get, how to both like make a product but also um, get our name out there is based on on collaborating and partnering and making things together with other um, other chefs and other restaurants and other brands and artists and bands we've collaborated with like really uh, non-profit organizations like probably well over a hundred different entities to um, to create our ice cream not to mention like the regional dairy farmers that were you know, getting all our stuff from, right? Pretty much everything is actually from our food region. Um, and <clears throat> I think that's, I'd like to think that's the way in which we kind of rep Philadelphia too, is that like, that's, that's what we are, that's what this is, that's what we're trying to do. Um, even down to, uh, it's kind of just a, a coincidental thing that all ice cream that doesn't include eggs has always been referred to as Philadelphia style ice cream and that's a thing that's like been the case for hundreds of years but nobody ever really discussed it much and we've or I feel that we've like reclaimed that mantle right and that's something that's like on all of our menus and something that we talk about um, and so I guess uh, an example of one of these things is uh, so peanut chews you know peanut chews right it's like a I think it's a hundred years old at this point. It's a vegan candy that is made right here in, in Philadelphia. We uh, we somehow got the opportunity to make the first ever official Goldenberg's peanut chew ice cream uh, a couple years ago with some of our vegan ice cream. Um, 
and we, we got a tour of the peanut chews factory from Ruth Goldenberg, who's this like amazing 90 year old woman who still runs a factory. Um, and that flavor uh, is both really popular in real life with people eating it, but also kind of like out there on the internet and in the world. Um, and that's something that, you know, I feel good about that. I'm proud of that. Uh, that it is peanut chews I should also say are like a very specific regional treat they are not distributed all over the country you know, I don't think you can even find them in I don't think you can find them in New York I think it's really a, a here thing um, and so that kind of connection that I mean at the end of the day all it is is like a really tasty dessert right pretty simple but uh, yeah that's cool and that's what we want to be out there in the world so last question, and I want to hear from all of you, and I want to pick up on what you said, Francis, about as Philadelphia continues to evolve, I want all of you to say something. As it continues to evolve and innovate and stay the same and also change, what story do you want Philadelphia to tell to both inside or outsiders? I, I guess it would just be like every creative outlet, whether it's uh, restaurants and bars or music, it is really about the perseverance and the like just the pure passion of doing it less so about how do I pay rent it's just this is something I, I need to do I, something I do to because I would like it done like like, um, like yeah just I need it done so I'm going to do it I think that's kind of that goes back to the blue collar thing and, and and that goes to the creative side too and the restaurant side like I wish there was a bar like this I'm going to make it so I wish there was music like this I'm going to make it so um, well yeah I guess uh, in the spirit of the blue collarness, you know Philly had a rejuvenation after like the 70s and 80s and early 90s now it is sort of a breeding ground for artists because it's so affordable um, it's always been a pretty good incubator where you have the time and the luxury to work on your art and it you know also smashes headfirst into the blue collar attitude so there's a pretty good uh heaping helping of both of those things so there's really a, a place for anyone interested in you know wor working a, a job that does not pay well and having plenty of time to work on your art and I really hope it continues to be that way, even though obviously neighborhoods are changing and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know. I think it's a great open invitation for anyone. I never uh, appreciated, like throughout my, even, even mainly throughout my uh, early 20s as well, I, I did not, in school, uh, I was very, I had my head just in, in what I was working on and that was all that mattered. And then I moved into my brother's place in Philadelphia and I just met this whole community of young musicians. Joe lived at this uh, warehouse that um, was full, I mean, 100% musicians and a few visual artists who built their own, they had a screen printing studio there. Joe started his recording studio going on, how many years old is Headroom now? Uh, a little more than 10 little more than 10 and it's still um, you know it's, it's still a studio that uh, encourages young um, young creators to you know try their hand you know they have 
amazing interns there. I, I think Philadelphia, when you're saying like incubating uh, the ability to, to, to work and not completely struggle from day to day, it also incubates community. There are house spaces popping up everywhere. Also just Philly's an easy city to get around. There's other cities where I think like, God, if you're on a bike, you would die here. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I have friends in Austin. I just think like, man, this is rough to get around on a bike. I mean, there's a highway separating everybody from the city center. But Philadelphia, you know, Joe lives in West Philly. Uh, it's like a 40 minute bike ride. And that's been really nice. I still don't go there. She doesn't, <laughs> still, she doesn't come I visit. I still completely stay around my block and don't go anywhere. But if you wanted to, you but could. If she but wanted if I wanted to, to I could. It wouldn't <laughs> kill you. That's the important thing. If saying. I have to cross a body of water, I'm not going. Yeah, I used to. I, I actually fell off my bike on the Spring Garden Bridge and my shoe flew off. So I don't, I don't visit Joe anymore. <laughs> a lot of holes in the streets. That's my only complaint. That's a good one. But then there's a guy that drives around and puts cement in the holes. There's, there's people like that in this city, too. They just do it themselves. Take care of problems themselves. You want to say something, Mark? <laughs> I'm almost done talking. Now I'm done talking now. Right now? Yeah. Okay. I hope that Philadelphia can continue to be a place where young weirdos who don't feel at home where they are can come to find each other and be creative um, because that's what it was for me and it was hugely important I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't find these weirdos and we didn't carve out a little space somewhere in Fishtown which is where no one wanted to live to make music and, and record records um, you know I, I think everybody needs that and I hope Philadelphia can continue to be that for the next group of young weirdos that need to go somewhere to find themselves. Yeah, I guess I want, I think it already is, it's part of its story, but I want Philly's story to continue to be that people who go for it, whatever that is, go for it hard. That's not the same as just blind ambition or climbing some ladder, but approaching their projects, their problems, their their work with heart and curiosity and the support of their friends and their community and like helping push each other and supporting each other. I do feel like people here have a lot of ambition. It's just like a different stripe of ambition or something. Um, and I, I think it's much preferable to uh, just trying to claw toward some vision of success. I think Philadelphia's story for a couple of hundred years now has been uh, that it is a place of um, firsts and of like revolutionary things, right? This is where the first public hospital was, is the first uh, fire department, the first library, the first public park system, right? It's like all these first things that ever came about happened here and they were supposed to be for everybody. Um, and I hope that's the story for the rest of Philadelphia. Beautiful. Um, all right, I want to make sure. Where can people find you, come to your wine shop, go get your ice cream, listen to your music? Where can everyone find you? Little Baby's Ice Cream, we're, we're all around you. Just look on the internet. 
but also Frankfurt Avenue is maybe a good place. Uh, the Lunar Inn and Tiny's Bottle Shop are on Richmond and Clementine Streets in Port Richmond. And we're on Instagram at, at the Lunar Inn and at Tiny's Bottle Shop. We are the band Hopalong, and Joe's home address is... <laughs> uh, the Headroom Philadelphia. Yeah, but that is an amazing recording studio. We've done all of our full lengths there. And um, he really does live there sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Wait, n- that light nights go late. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on all of the title, iTunes, all that YouTube? stuff. YouTube? YouTube, Bandcamp. Wow. Pure vo- is Pure Volume still around? Uh, MySpace, no. you mean? MySpace, R.I.P. Do we have a MySpace? Not the band. Does anybody? I had one. Whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, had w- I had one, too. We all I did. can't get into it anymore. I don't yeah. know the password. Uh, a big thank you to House of Vans, and thank you all for sitting here and listening. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with another half of Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network. Since the mid-1800s, before Wisconsin was even recognized as a state, its resident cheesemakers have been putting the art into artisan cheese. When early settlers from Switzerland, Germany, and Italy came to Wisconsin, they brought their cheesemaking expertise with them. They chose Wisconsin because the terroir reminded them of the homes they'd left behind in northern Europe. The soil and water of Wisconsin is nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. 
Today, Wisconsin's cheesemakers draw from their rich European heritage and cheesemaking traditions and combine them with incredible innovation to produce half of the nation's specialty cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers never stop experimenting, trying to improve, and dreaming of your next favorite cheese that has yet to be imagined. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We have Heaven's Gate here in the studio, crammed in. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. How you doing? Hello. Uh, do you want to go around the room, introduce yourself, say what you play, maybe um, favorite pizza topping? Mm. Mm. Uh, my name is Jack, and I play guitar and prosciutto. Prosciutto? Okay. You took prosciutto? Oh. Oh. You can't go off the bat. You can, you can, you can repeat it if you feel really it's, it's necessary. I want to be original. Uh, I'm Alex. I oh. play bass. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my favorite topping is um, <laughs> mozzarella cheese. Okay. Classic. God damn it. So, so That's basic. That's my number one and two. All right. My name is Jess, and I sing vocals, and my favorite topping is definitely mushrooms. Okay, mm. mushrooms. Uh, m- my name is Michael, I play percussion, and my, my fr- one of my favorite toppings on the pizza is like the marinara sauce. Okay. The pizza sauce. It's not a With topping. A sauce. <laughs> you can put the sauce on top of, you can do a reverse pizza and put it on top. Yeah. That's an acceptable, mm-hmm. it's an acceptable answer. I guess you could put basil on there too. That's an acceptable yeah. answer. Nothing is, there's no wrong answers here on Snacking So things. far we have cheese and sauce, two essential <laughs> ingredients of pizza. That's, that's, that's the true. rhythm section right there. Yeah. <laughs> essential yeah. ingredients. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would have said prosciutto. Oh, Mike, I play guitar. Um, I would have said prosciutto, but I'm going to say crawfish. Oh. Where, where, where have you had crawfish pizza? Uh, two booths. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Of course. Classic. It's my Louisiana shit. pizza. How, how many crawfish pizzas do you think they're churning? How, how much fresh crawfish do you think they actually have? They're going, have they're like flying it from no, New Orleans that's like straight to the bottom of the, the West barrel Village. soaking in right. water in the, in the walk-in. <laughs> I think they're probably, <laughs> during a certain time of the year, they're probably flying through maybe like seven a day. Seven slice at a time. Roughly. Roughly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's gross. So <laughs> how did you guys all meet? I know that you formed back in 2001, but what's the, what's the story? 2001. 2001. 2011, Ooh, sorry. We looked that old. Ooh. I mean, that's, that's I mean me. Mike and I probably met. Oh no, no. Me and yeah, me and us met in high school. We were from the same t- town, New Jersey. Um, then we all moved into New York. Uh, me and Jess met at a sweat lodge. Um, <laughs> like a classic sweat lodge, like uh, running, like run into the snow type sweat lodge. Pretty traditional sweat lodge. <laughs> yeah, it was a triangular sweat lodge. Um, and actually, me and Mike were talking about this. We, I think we met working door for... At Silent Barn in 2006 or so. Yeah, 2006 or so. We, worked, we were working the door for Todd P. Okay. What about Jack? And then Jack and me met maybe at that garage on Myrtle where Sophia used to do shows, but he, he was like 15 and a guitar shredder. Yeah. He's so definitely underage. Definitely underage. You all look underage. He, he's still 15. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> Who do you who do you think in who do you think is the oldest person in the band? Oh, I'm not playing this game. <laughs> that is that is that is how I get murdered on my own radio show. Yeah. Um, what I love about your music is that you have really deep topics. Uh, for example, like women held captive uh, for a number of decades. How did you take that path for song lyrics, and how did it evolve from the first EP into the last two EPs about where you pull your ideas from? Um, 
I think when we first started, I mean, my background's in like folk music, so I was writing more like traditional type of songs. But I think when our first two records, I was just trying to pull something together. <laughs> I mean, I was writing about, you know, smoking weed and dudes and um, it was just very like surface level things. And then we were working on Women in Night. I really wanted to kind of, to you know, own own that own that process and to like really be conscious think consciously about um, what I wanted to sing about and it was just a time where I was just really thinking a lot about you know women um, sort of just like the experience of being a woman feeling unsafe a lot of the time and you know as always there's like stuff coming up in the news so that kind of was informing that record and on this record um, I was actually doing psychoanalysis for like for the entirety of us doing this record. So I think there's a lot of stuff, um, I think it's very heavy um, in terms of like your interior world. And I think there's a lot on trauma and um, those sorts of things. So you say like on the last record, it was about, you know, the issues that are facing women outwardly and now these are issues that are facing you from the inside out? Perhaps, or you just, I think you get more comfortable um, going there, so. Um, I think, yeah, maybe it was, maybe the last record gave me permission to kind of go more internal. Yeah, also a lot of the songs on the last record were named after women, so it was kind of like we kind of were yes. playing with this theme of different stories happening yes, to different women. And did you feel that the uh, music or the structure, or like the sonic landscape, changed at all as you got more into this and even into the new record, or do you think the, the sound of the music always sounded the same? And the lyrics are what changed. Oh, it's totally different. But we, we started off thinking we were one kind of band, and just, you know, we've been together since 2011, so... Some would say 2001. Some would say... <laughs> Arguably. Arguably. Spiritually. Spiritually. Never forget. What, um, type of, what type of band did you think that you were, and what band are you actually? <laughs> we thought we were a shoegaze band, and now we are something we, else. We sound a little bit like... Like a... a ACDC. Come on. I mean, no. that, like, like um, <laughs> high voltage, you know? Like, I no, no, like, like that really, I don't know. I feel like it's very dancey, spacey, long form, drony. Like, I mean, I don't think we'd still be a band if we knew what we actually sounded like. We want to keep writing records, and mm. ideally, I think it's going to change each record. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we came to is like, we started off trying to be a one sound, and now we kind of don't really adhere to one sound. Yeah. We can, oh, we're, we can, we're growing up. We can do a country yeah. song, we can do a fucking Love germ you. song, we can do whatever, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I had never heard of Shoegaze when this band started, so I, I didn't know what the fuck they were talking. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's definitely gotten a little, you know, we have songs in this record that like kind of read as more like hardcore, or, like songs more punk. Um, definitely we got a lot noisier. And I, I agree with what, with your question. I think that as the, the sounds sort of change, the, the mood changes, right? So it started off poppy, happy, you know, superficially kind of summery when we were younger. and um, Boys and smoking weed and now it's real issues. Sure. Yeah. Can we yeah, hear something? We'll go back oh. to boys and weed again. <laughs> The boys and weed are still there, but just <laughs> other things on top of that. Can we hear a song? Yeah, let's play a song. What are you going to play for us first? Um, this first song, all, all, uh, everything we're going to play tonight is going to be off our upcoming record that we just recorded. Um, and this first song is called Television. Great. Here we go live on Snacky Tunes.
wrote that you are a big fan of Guy Fieri. Mm-hmm. You, I don't think you, you. I don't know if you said it right. If you've been watching his shows, he actually says Fieri now. Oh, he changed it. He did. He doesn't say. He said, "I'm Guy Fieri." Now yeah. he says Fieri. Well, Darren, Darren and I are a big fan of the Triple D. We we spent much much time talking about it. Great, let's uh, do it. Outside of the fact that um, once you get past the fact of you know what you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love the fact that he's actually one of the few people that actually go out and like promote really small restaurants yes. and restaurants go on the record that after he stops by the restaurants do a lot better. Oh. What is what are your reasons for loving him? Okay. So excuse me. <laughs> so move Mike tri- over. Triple D Triple D is an antidepressant. <laughs> it is um if <laughs> it really is, if you've no, if you notice, if you watch cooking shows, if you watch other shows, he never says anything negative about anything, um, except for eggs. He hates eggs, and he will not eat <laughs> eggs, especially raw eggs, like like um, with the yolk. But um, if you notice it, he doesn't actually like get into any content. He just describes what he eats. Like he'll take a bite of a sandwich and say, "Mmm, the the toast and the the lettuce and that mayonnaise is really coming through." And oh, and then you get hit with that turkey at the end. It's just ah. Oh. Um, so I think when you're like when you're looking for that kind of like psychic break or like you're just feeling down about stuff, he's just really pop. You know, he's a really yeah. posy dude. I think in a way he captures captures the millennial zeke geist. <laughs> he's just you know he's he's joyous and simple and it's it's easy to watch and and I really appreciate his unbridled enthusiasm. Mm. There's a cynicism that I used to have when I watched when I first started watching with it. Like no way this guy can keep it up for this long a time, but. You know, month after month, year after year, like it just—it's and it never changes. It never changes. But it doesn't matter. And there's no rhyme or reason to an episode. He's like, "We're here in Detroit," and then he's like, "Now we're skipping over to Honduras." I think I think that now, well, to to pull into a little bit of magic, uh, like TV magic, is like I think that that's because they have so many episodes and so many locations. They're like, "We're just gonna make it's a forever clip show." Totally. Who knows? Yeah. He might he might be dead for the last three years. We have no, <laughs> we have no idea. Or, or maybe he is like, like AI. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Like oh my God. That he's just—they've just funneled in all the flavor, like yeah, all the flavor yeah, profiles, yeah. and he's yeah. like all, all that Twitter, uh, you know, data digestion is like spat back out. Well, and now it's Triple G, guys. <laughs> grocery games. I have not watched that yet. Triple G is a boxer. He's a great boxer. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Like a box of. He has his own supermarket, and there's there's everything in it, everything you could ever need, like squid ink. Like, things that you would never have at a grocery store. He's got it all. But is this yeah. a show? It's a show. Three contestants. They have carts. They have challenges. They oh. have to run. They get the stuff. Is, they put it in the carts. This is like supermarket cook. sweeps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It like, is. Yeah. But, then, but then he fucks with them a lot. Oh. Can I say that? Yeah, you can. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever fucked with anybody. He, no. <laughs> he, he might mess with them. He messes with them. Yeah. And he has some really good pranks. You should watch it. Okay. Can we hear another song? Yeah. What are you going to play for us? Landline. Yeah, this one's called uh, Landline. It's also going to be off our next record. Cool. It's our dead format suite. Our what? Dead format suite, you know, like television into Landline. Perfect. Here we go, live on Snacky Tunes.
That song was great. What are your favorite Ooh. songs to cook to? Ooh. Oh, man. I, I like um, Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac, when I'm making <laughs> specifically macaroni and cheese. Is it just on, <laughs> with chorizo? Is it just on repeat? Is it you just like, yeah, repeat, just it, like yeah. over and over? It, it, it's just that original O that he does. Oh. That's me, and I'm just like mixing in the cheese. Oh, I like Just Nina so. Simone does a version of Tell It Like It Is. Of course, it's amazing. Oh my god, I get to snuggle up with Bay, chop up the onions. <laughs> chopping Yo, up onions in bed. Yeah, chopping up the peppers and onions. Are there? Are they going into anything? Are you just cho- just like you have like Tupperwares of like onions <laughs> and peppers to just listen to Nina Simone? Bro, it doesn't get that far. Okay, get some marinara sauce, and you've almost got a pizza, kinda. Um, Walter Wanderley and like a samba music. Oh, samba, like really like. Uh, I guess it's late 60s. It just feels really great to whisk eggs, too. Oh. You, like, do a little dance. Mm. Uh, also, yeah, Nelly. Anything, yeah. anything Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I honestly cook it's mostly all- to talk radio, like, podcasts. Oh. <laughs> music, music, is, music is not a cooking activity for me. I don't know. It's throw, just like, you're, like, throwing some Terry Gross, and you're like, I'm gonna, you know, yeah, yeah, make yeah. some roast chicken and yeah, think yeah. about life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, coast to coast. Or, like, yeah, like, you know, some true crime. Oh, perfect. Oh, okay. That's some, a little, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, you know, really <laughs> gets my, wets yeah, my appetite. Yeah. Yeah. Try that. That, Maybe I'll start cooking more. Yeah. Yeah. True crime. That's um... You know, I think like you know, like the class, you know, classic like Billie Holiday or like Ella, um, or like maybe like Shangri-Las. Oh, what are you cooking to this? Like, what are you making? I make all kinds of stuff, baby. Oh, okay. So you mentioned you mentioned the new record. Uh, any plans for release, label, home? Yeah, we're, we're still we're still finishing it up. Um, we did it upstate, uh, which was really nice for us to not do a record in New York. Um, City. So yeah, so we did it like a, like outside of Hudson. And a fruit in, farm. In Germantown, um, the studio that a bunch of other really great bands have recorded at. Um, so yeah, we're, we're still in the process of finishing it, and yeah, we're just not really rushing it at this point. You know, it's it's going to be our third full length um, and fourth release. So we're just taking our time with it, feeling good about it. Let but it simmer. We're very excited about it. It's gonna, it's gonna yeah, sound summer. way yeah. better and bigger than anything we've ever done before. So mm. I think yeah. it's gonna be great. Yeah, man. To continue that analogy, a lot of these songs have definitely been like minced really well. Minced. Minced. Yeah. Well, he minced. said, "Let it simmer." Yeah. yeah. Minced. From, from like Milan gar- to minced. Like, like cut up little pieces of garlic. Yeah, yeah. minced garlic. Yeah. Uh, sorry, maybe that's the wrong analogy. 
I don't know. No, but some of the songs are like very have been like worked on for a very long time. You know what I mean? Like there's been a lot of like there's a lot of layers. We've had a lot of time we, we to put, stew. A, we put a lot of work like into it. Yeah, yeah a red onion. We can we can strike that. I'm sure. No, we're gonna keep that all. Julian, the song. I want to make sure that we have time to get in one more song. But any tours coming up? We're I think we'll, we'll tour after the record comes any show, out. Any yeah, local we'll, shows? We'll, we'll, we'll probably play. Uh, we just played this past week at Secret Project Robot with Weeping Icon, who are really amazing. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to play a bunch towards the end of the year and maybe tour in early spring, but we're kind of just working on finishing the record right now. But keep your eyes peeled. Cool. We'll be, we'll be out there. Years on the radio. And where can people find you? Uh, Social media, Instagram, Spotify, the Bandcamp, internet. The internet. We have a Bandcamp, and you can buy really cool T-shirts and <laughs> records on it. True. We're on Spotify. Um, we're on Google. But we're a little old school, so we don't have like a, a tweeter. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Just people yelling at each other anyway. Yeah, we'd be, we'd be beefing way too much if we had a Twitter. Uh, yeah. I would delete all of your posts. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're also I have too many non sequiturs. I'm sure. Uh, well, I want to thank Heaven's Gate for coming on the show today. Thank you for having thank us. You for Thanks having for having us. us. Big shout out to our food guests earlier in the show. Uh, we will be back next week with another live episode of Snacky Tunes. What's the name of the song you're going to take us out with? Depressive Agitation. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank we you. will be back next week. Thanks for listening.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.